even so, I think it's really beautiful to have this crazy, horrible thing going on and still finding some kind of joy within the chaos. Yeah, I think that you touched on that good point of understanding each other without actually understanding each other and being able to communicate without actually using, without even speaking the same language. Welcome to Red Rhyme Reads, a community of book lovers talking about our favorite and not so favorite books while pouring a glass or two of wine. I'm your host, Jenna Miller, and with me today is Sierra Marshall, who just wants a happy ending. Now, before we start, I should warn you that we do spoil the endings of the books we review. So if you don't like that, then please go finish the book and come right back to this episode. But if you're just here for the fun-loving and sometimes heated conversations, then welcome. We are so glad you're here. And whether you want to read one, none, or all of the books we read this month or this year, the choice is up to you. These reviews are not backed by any science or experience, just purely two opinionated amateur readers. You may hate the books we love or love the books we hate. Everyone has different tastes, but we hope this podcast is fun to listen to, no matter how you like your books. You can tell us your opinions and your own hot takes of these books on our Instagram and TikTok at Podcast. that's at R-W-R-E-A-D-S-P-O-D-C-A-S-T. So without further ado, let's pull some corks and get reading. This week, we read Bel Canto by Anne Patchett. Well, Sierra, welcome to another episode of Red Wine Reads. I'm so happy you're here. Happy to be here. We're facing a few technical difficulties, but uh, we will push on <laughs> because we have to talk about Bel Canto by uh, Ann Patchett. Yeah, that one. That one. <laughs> I'm so excited to talk about this one because this book, as we kind of hop into the quick facts about this book, this book was gifted to me after a I did like an internship at HarperCollins Christian Publishing. And the editor I worked under gave us all books at the end of the year or at the end of the internship. And this is the book she gave me. And so this was back in 2018. And so it's taken me five years to read this book. But here we are. And I'm really excited to have read it and to have read it with you because I feel like it's something so different than you would have picked up. It's honestly something so different that I would have picked up in a normal circumstance. And I'm kind of, I, now I want to like go back to Megan who had given me this and like ask her why, why this book <laughs> of all books? I'm just like, I'm just curious. Anyways, that's why I chose this book in my month of choosing books for everyone. So this book was published in 2001. So it's a little bit of an older book. It has a 3.9 out of 5 on Goodreads. And it received the 2002 Faulkner Award and the Orange Prize for Fiction, both in the same year. So it's it's a book with a lot of accolades. People know this book. People love this book. And then Ann Patchett herself is kind of a known author as well. She's been around for a while. Her most recent book was called The Dutch House. Well, actually, she has another recent book that's more of like short stories, but The Dutch House is the one that has gotten the most attention uh, the most recently. And I remember my mom reading it and she was like, she's kind of boring. And after reading Bel Canto, I'm like, I could see why. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I think Ann Patchett is not really known for her super exciting like characters or like super exciting plot, but she's known for this masterful writing. Her ability to tell a story through carefully crafted characters in this beautiful prose. But I can see why my mom said it was boring because if it's anything like Bel Canto, I can see that. I can see that being an issue. 
I did find this fun fact about her. She got married in her 20s, but it only lasted one year. And she also co-founded Parnassus Books in Nashville, Tennessee, which I don't know why I never connected the dots here. HarperCollins Christian Publishing is based out of Nashville, Tennessee. So I was in Nashville for the summer. So that's probably why I got this book. (laughs) Well, there you go. Now I figured it out. Well, Sierra, are you drinking anything tonight for this recording? You can't see. It's in my Stanley but we've got the truly going on. Nice. I love it when people are actually drinking with me. I feel like I've been drinking alone lately. So (laughs) (laughs) I have here a uh, tequila with the blood orange San Pellegrino and then a dash of lime juice. It's quite good. Sounds good. Well, yeah. Cheers. Cheers to this. Alrighty. Well, let's get into it. I'll start with our summary from Amazon. So somewhere in South America at the home of the country's vice president, a lavish birthday party is being held in honor of the powerful businessman, Mr. Hosokawa. Roxanne Koss, opera's most revered soprano, has mesmerized the international guests with her singing. It is a perfect evening until a band of gun-wielding terrorists take the entire party hostage. But what begins as a panicked, life-threatening scenario slowly evolves into something quite different, a moment of great beauty as terrorists and hostages forge unexpected bonds and people from different continents become compatriots, intimate friends, and lovers. So I I feel like we can go through at least some of the main characters because there's quite a lot of characters in this book. I'd say like the main four. Yep, the main four. So we have Roxanne, our opera singer. We have Hosokawa, who is the um, businessman in which this party is being thrown. He invites Roxanne because he's obsessed with the opera and especially obsessed with Roxanne. And so he brings her along with her accompanist. So the guy who plays the piano, he does, um, spoiler alert, die pretty early on due to diabetes and not having insulin. (laughs) This poor guy. Right? Yeah. And then uh, we have Gen, who is our translator. And then I would say it's hard to pick four. I mean, Carmen, is that what you're going to say? I would say Carmen. Yeah. Who's part of the terrorist group, but she ends up falling in love with Gen and Gen falls in love with her. So we have a little like relationship between them. And then Roxanne and Mr. Hosokawa end up having a relationship. And then you, I put on my list too, you have General Benjamin. <laughs> just Benjamin. Just Benjamin. <laughs> He's the uh, general who kind of leads this hostage attack. Um, and then you have Mesner, who's our translator, who's kind of doing absolutely nothing to help the situation, it seems like. He's a Swiss translator. He came from the Red Cross. He was just there on vacation, but somehow he gets roped into this four-month-long hostage situation. And then you have Simon Thibault, the Frenchman, because he kind of comes into play here and there. And then he ends up coming into play at the very, very, very end. I felt like those are like the big main characters. I would agree. Okay. I'm so interested to see what you think of this book. What? I'll start with this question. What surprised you about this book? I... I didn't read the back, so I had no clue what this book was going to be about. I knew music. I knew it was going to be about music. And then I opened this and like first thing that happens is I'm like, oh, something's going down at this party. And then second chapter in, I think it's the second chapter. And it just is like, oh, terrorists are taking over your party. (laughs) And I was like, this is wild. I was not expecting it. That's for sure. Uh Uh-huh. Yes. 
I'm going to be honest with you. I had no idea what this book was about either. I I knew it was about music and I knew it was about an opera singer. And I genuinely thought it was going to be more of like a following this opera singer through her life. And so when I when I started it and just started reading about the terrorist and I was like, oh, this is going to be very different. And then I thought it was going to be like, oh, they're going to do this hostage situation. They're going to like come out of it. And then they're all going to be tied to the situation. And then they're all going to go like their separate ways and then keep coming back to this situation. But that was also not the case. I think it also surprised me that it was more of a, you know, one of those one room. Okay. So let's let's get into what we liked. What did you what did you like about this book? Because I get the feeling that you didn't like a whole lot. But let's let's get into what you liked. Yeah, there is a lot I didn't like, but there's a lot I did like. And so personally, I really enjoyed the idea of two people who don't understand each other, understanding each other relationship wise with Roxanne and Mr. Hasegawa. I was like, that is the cutest thing. that he just has this great love and passion and admiration for her, which turns into him ending up loving her. And we come to understand that he's never been with a partner where he has felt genuine love. Like he has appreciation for his wife, but And I know it maybe it's wrong that I was like, oh, I hope they get together, even though he's married. (laughs) But I was I was definitely the person that was like, they just mesh well together. And he never was forcing himself on her. And it was just they both saw each other. And through their actions, they were able to communicate love, understanding and just that togetherness. I mean, one might also argue that they would never be together if it weren't for the situation pushing them together. And maybe it was sort of all because of proximity. But even so, I think it's really beautiful to have this crazy, horrible thing going on and still finding some kind of joy within the chaos. Yeah, I think that you touched on that good point of understanding each other without actually understanding each other and being able to communicate without actually using, without even speaking the same language. And you see the use of Gen, who is our translator, who can translate from multiple different languages and is kind of able to speak Russian, speak French, speak Spanish, speak Japanese, speak English, speak Italian. And he's just able to be that middleman for a lot of these people, for them trying to get their point across to other people who are in this, you know, hostage situation. But you have this beautiful idea of how these people are living harmoniously almost because you start to get to the point where like these hostages are starting to feel more comfortable and like realize that the captors are probably not going to kill them. They're just a bunch of kids with guns and they're just waiting for some money or for them to release their friends from prison. And so like the things that they want, they're able to wait. And so like after you kind of eliminate that factor of danger, then you have this interesting dynamic where you have captors and their hostages living harmoniously and starting to understand each other and understand how people define themselves when they're taken away from their society, when they're taken away from their language, when they're taken away from like their own communities. And when they're forced into one community, how does each person take on a different personality? How does each person take on a different identity? And there's a part kind of toward the end where she kind of goes through the list of each person. And it's like, you have the boy 
the terrorist who ends up being like an opera singer. And then he, so his new future is going to sing opera with Roxanne. And of course, it's all these futures that are not even possible because you have these people who are going to be arrested or killed because they took all these people hostages. And then you have these hostages that aren't going to be able to live normal lives after this because they've just spent five months in captivity. And so you have these futures that they're living out after being together that are just like never going to happen. But you have this weird sense of the world outside you has completely disappeared. And then you're left with this. And I just thought it was a, such a fascinating idea because we've seen it as we as we'll probably get into in pairings, but you've seen it done before. But in this way, where you take the idea of language away and understanding in that sense, it's so interesting to see how these characters would react and how their stories would play out. Yeah. And I think even like you were talking about earlier, like the idea of these social constructs of how these people were brought up and raised and who they were in society, because these are all the majority are high class members of society. And once you break all of that away, well, now you're a captive. Or for example, like the vice president, he was even talking about how he had never run his own house. He had never been taught to run his own house. He was a man living in a country where it was the women's duty or responsibility to be cleaning and being the caretakers and being the hostesses. And then he comes to find out how much he enjoys this. And then like you were saying with the kids, you break down these rules of societies that you have a terrorist and then you have the captive people. So you're breaking down these these ideas of what that means. And you're just taking away that identity in general. Once you get to living with them more, more and more, you're taking away that whole part of them. And now they're just people that you see every day that you have connected with that you've grown close to, you've learned their personalities, and they are no longer what their profession is. They are who they are. But then there's also this dark cloud hanging over them, because you're right, you know, that this is temporary. And regardless of whether it was how it ended, where a good majority of people were shot and killed, or if it was, well, these people are going to end up in jail. Or if it wasn't that, it was, I know Mr. Hasegawa was talking about how it's not necessarily like realistic for him to be with Roxanne because Roxanne's going to go tour and continue on as she did before being an opera singer. And he's going to have to go back to his wife and his children and his job. And what is that kind of dynamic going to look like right now? They're in, they were in this like perfect little bubble where they could just be themselves and be with these people. But it's not realistic to think that that's what it's going to be like forever, especially given the circumstances and how throughout we still see certain members tempers still running high and the situations not getting resolved. I mean, for Pete's sake, they were in there for what, four months and nothing was being resolved. Everything was at a standstill. And someone in the, said, the book said, it's not realistic to believe that the world around you is not continuing on that there aren't plans being made outside of this and you're in here and time is practically stood still. I really like that whole part of it. Yeah. And I think there's something like magical about a book that can take you into a situation where time stands still. And like, there is no plot happening. There is no negotiation. There is no great escape being planned. There is like nothing really happening. <laughs> and so when you take away that that portion of telling a story, 
then you're really able to like hone in on your characters and you're really able to hone in on how they interact with each other and who takes over what roles when, like you said, this is a house full of kids and it's a house full of people, very affluent individuals who have never cleaned up after themselves, who have never had to take care of themselves, who have always had things at their ready, just had someone be able to bring whatever they needed right to them. Like even you see it with like Roxanne asking for all these things when the negotiator comes in and it's like, well, what do you need? And then she's asking for all these things. And then it's just so funny to me that, okay, so you're going to have all the food that you want. You're going to have all the drinks that you want. You're going to have all your music flown in. You're going to have like pretty much all your things brought into this world. And all you have to do is just stay there. And there's something quite beautiful about especially nowadays, being in a situation where there are no phones, there's no emails coming through, you can't do anything. And so you just have to be and you just have to like exist with other people and try to figure out your way among this group of people who you don't even understand. I don't want to say like I desire to be in a situation like that, because of course you don't want to be in a hostage situation. But like there's something so beautiful about being in a place where you don't have any responsibilities and you're kind of just stuck. Right. Well. I think it's a very romanticized idea of being captive. Mm -hmm. You don't have your responsibilities. You get to, for instance, like Mr. Hasegawa gets to be in the literal room with someone he has admired for such a long time. He is fangirling over her and, and he just gets to be in her presence. And beyond that, they end up falling in love with each other. You think of your best dreams and then you go above and beyond those. And like he was even talking about once you strip away everything, he went to her room and he was just saying, there's nothing more that I could ever want in this moment than to be in this room with her, in love with her, in her presence. And I think in general, like it's a very romanticized idea of what being captive could look like. Because none of these characters are like really threatened with their lives throughout the whole four months. I mean, they're a little worried at the beginning, but it's pretty clear from the get go that they're not interested in killing them. Yeah, you could almost imagine it as like a summer camp in a way. You're going to a place removed from the, you know, your main people. And you're going to be at a place with like a bunch of different people from a bunch of different backgrounds. And then like whatever happens that week happens that week. And then you kind of just go back to your normal life. And I feel like that's kind of like the same vibes. You wanted that tension, but you also wanted it. It's fictional and you wanted it to be kind of a lighter take on this. Or at least that's kind of, you know, kind of almost like a satirical look at like what would happen if a hostage situation went really wrong. And like the captors were like just really bad at this. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it's almost sad as well. Like you said, it's kind of like that summer camp situation where they're like, whatever happens in this time happens. But then we go back to our normal lives. And like to all of them, even throughout the book, they're talking about how that doesn't just sit well with them. It just doesn't feel right. And it's like, how could you go back to normal after all that has transpired? You've watched a person die from a, do- a diabetic coma. You've been a little traumatized because you were brought in at gunpoint to be stuck in this house. But there are also some really wonderful parts of it, like you're falling in love or you make these friends who you would have never met otherwise or understood otherwise. You're getting all these different stories from different peoples and different backgrounds. That's a really lovely thing in itself. And the very thing that makes a community whole is all the individuals within it. But then they know it's not going to stay that way. 
And that's really, really sad. And I think that's one of the things that really bothered me about the book was that we knew it wasn't going to stay the same. And I really thought this would end well. I really thought like everyone would get out and maybe the guy would get his brother set free or whatever, whoever he was trying to get set free. And then all the other, but that's, again, that's me being such a romantic about life, hoping beyond all hope that it would end up really well. And then the epilogue just pissed me off even more, which it really shouldn't, but it really did. Yeah, I I think the epilogue... I don't know. I don't think the epilogue was needed, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think it's an interesting concept. I just don't think Gen and Roxanne had that much interaction for me to like. I mean, I don't mind them being together. It just felt weird. Like, why are we revisiting this? I mind. I would have been happier if it would have been like almost like a family reunion. All these people coming together and remembering their friends. I would have been happier with something like that. Versus these two getting together because of shared trauma is what it really sounds like. No one else is going to understand you because we both fell in love with two people who ended up dying in this horrible situation that we were both a part of. Who else can understand me except the man who happened to have the same exact thing happen to him? And maybe there was always this underlying... I don't really think there's an underlying thing between them, but an underlying understanding that he really was, he was the go-between for so many people that he formed bonds and relationships with everyone. I just, it feels like a stab in the back to just throw that in there. Oh, by the way, they're getting married because of the shared trauma. And I'm just like, no, I'm not okay with that. I wanted her to pine after him forever because he was so sweet. (laughs) I know. I feel like it was almost kind of like that generational thing of you know, your significant other dies. And if you are a good friend or brother to someone, it's like, I'm going to look after her for you. But I mean, the writing made it sound more like they were, yeah, getting together because of the shared trauma. But also, you know, I have to think they're never going to be with anyone else. You're never going to be the same after something like that. So like, maybe they are perfect for each other. But, you know, like we could have drawn our own conclusions. I think I think you just end it with everyone dying. Let us guess. Let us just have something that we can just imagine ourselves. I know. I would. I. I was walking and I. I did like a little uh, duo where I. I would read some and then I'd listen to the audio. So I was listening to the audio this morning, finishing up the book while I was walking, and I got to the part where Roxanne sees someone come through the door and they have a gun. And she's like, I don't know who that is. And then I like audibly gasped (laughs) when they started shooting people. And I was like, oh my God. And then the guy, there was like a guy walking behind me and he kind of like looked at me like, are you okay? (laughs) I was like, I'm fine. Like, it's just crazy book. It's a crazy book. (laughs) I got to that part and I was really like, I can throw the book away now. I don't want to read anymore. I'm done. Don't want to hear it. I wanted to live in the bubble forever. Just let me have that. It's not realistic, I know, but just let me have my happiness and like this took it. I thought it was such a good twist because it it's totally them coming in and just popping that bubble and like it's that immediate pop and then it's like everything's gone. Everyone's getting shot. All the couples are split up. It's all crumbling down. Nobody was safe. And it was just crazy. And there is something so 
powerful about that, where it's like you're building this fake world. You're building this beautiful utopia where no one's really looking ahead at the future. And when they do, they realize nothing's going to ever work, but it's okay because we're still living in our little bubble. And then as soon as you pop that bubble, all hell breaks loose and all the captors are shot. And when they report it in the news, they don't say that there were two female captors because like that's not going to translate well when you kill two young girls. <laughs> but like I almost start crying with Beatrice, her death. That was rough. My thing is, there was a time in my life where I would have loved this book. But I will say like with what I read now and how I like to escape through my books, I don't want to read this. And... This isn't something that I personally enjoy because nowadays when I read, yes, there can be some sad parts where I'm like, but I know that the resolution is coming and that I will get the happy ending. I hate reading these nowadays. But like I said, there was a point in my life where I was like, I want the traumatic ending. I want something that will just rip my heart out. And like, this is a good, good one for if you like that. I don't like that anymore. I want resolution. I can go through books that are incomplete. For example, like when I was reading Throne of Glass, there's some books that end on a cliffhanger of like, what's happening? But you know what? I knew the last book was coming and I knew everything would be fine. And not everything is fine in this. And I just want to chuck it. Bye. But I did enjoy it as well, which is really funny. Like, I think the writing is fantastic and she does a really good job of making us care about characters, which is a testament to her writing style in general. The point that she, the fact that she made me angry says to me that she's a really great author because she made me care about these characters, but I'm pissed. <laughs> but I'm still writing an angry letter. Sarah's going to write fan fiction for how this book should have ended. <laughs> Dear Anne, what the hell were you thinking? There you have it. Oh, well, let's get into our final ratings then. So for me, I would give this book a 4.5 out of 5. I think that the way this book is written is so beautiful. And I think the characters are so good. Like I just got done reading Catch-22 and there were so many characters in that book and I didn't care about a single one of them. (laughs) And so it's like, this is what I'm supposed to feel like when reading a book with a lot of characters. Because like, it's so easy to get lost in the sauce with a cast of 20 plus characters where you're trying to make everyone equally as important. But she did it in such a way where she would like mention that there's, you know, 50 something people in this house, but you would really focus on you know, a few people and have the focus on a few people and have a focus on a few of the plot lines and a few of their storylines. And she did it in such a beautiful way that you just care about these characters, like you said, and you just fall in love with every single one of these characters and you're laughing and you're crying and you're feeling these emotions in such a deep way that I think and Patrick does such a good job at is just putting you in this room and whether you like it or not, like you're in it with them. And I think throwing in the ending like she did, I freaking loved it. I think that's what like sent it over the edge for me. I was like, that's the way you end a book. <laughs> I uh, I didn't like that blog. I will say I didn't like that blog. So that's why it's not a full five out of five. But gosh, this book, I um, I will thank Megan big time uh, now. <laughs> Um, I think I will be giving this book a three out of five stars. I hated the ending. 
but it's not anything that I would ever merit it, like something lower than that. Because in all honesty, it's a great story. It's an excellent story. It's wonderfully written. And like you said, you care about these characters. And the fact that I'm angry is a tell of a good book, I think. When you feel something, that is a testimony to the art that she has created. To me, like it's making you have a reaction, which is kind of the point of art, of literature, of, I mean, anything really that someone else creates. You want them to have a reaction to it. If they're just like, whatever. The opposite of love is indifference, everyone. Not anger. So so in that way, I give it a three. Yes. Snaps. I would say like 3.5, if I'm being honest. Because like I said, the writing was really good. And I really enjoyed the story, except for the ending. Okay. I love it. <laughs> well, uh, let's get into pairings. So we love to end our show with a segment called Pairings, where we are going to name TV shows, books, movies, and drinks that might pair well with with today's book. So uh, do you want to start? Yes. Okay. So for movie, I picked Atonement. It has Keira Knightley in it. And I think it's another one of those stories that is movie-wise, it's so well acted out. And the story itself is amazing. But dang, do you hate so much of what is going on in that movie? So much of it, you're like, oh, this is lovely. It's a it's romance. But then what happens is horrible. And so in that way, I really hate it because Saoirse Ronan is in that movie and she's really young and she like gets Keira Knightley's love interest in trouble and it wasn't his fault. It's just, I, I love hated it. I was like, this is an excellent movie. It's wonderful. It's so well acted out, but I hate that this is what happened. And it's one of those ones that's kind of like this in the way that like a lot of it's too real for me. It's it's not real, but it's too real. It's all makes so much sense. It's so realistic. And then I'm just like, Ugh, get it away from me. I want fantasy and romance and happy endings. TV show. I went with Peaky Blinders again, because there's a lot of crazy crap that happens again with like guns and everything as well. If you like that whole aspect. But also, like, I like how it talks about real people and real problems. And it kind of breaks down uh, the human behind, in this case, in Peaky Blinders, it's like the human behind the mob boss or whatever. And like how he loves and what happens to those he loves because of his dangerous job or what have you. Like, there's so much that goes on in that show. And also, I would suggest that show to anyone. For books, I chose... Where She Went, and that is a continuation of If I Stay. And again, it's kind of like one of those sad ones because at the end of If I Stay, you would think this couple would get back together, like they would be together again. And that is in fact not what happens. Spoiler alert. It actually is, it's heartbreaking, terribly sad, and like that same concept of a very realistic type of situation and how people are coping with these traumas in their life. And then... Last but not least, for my drink of choice, I went with your classic red wine sangria. And there's a few reasons. You throw little apples in there, you sow some orange slices, got your wine, maybe you put in some other sprites or juices. And it's like a good little melting pot of different flavors. But at the whole, like, you're still going to get drunk, it's still wine, still going to mess you up. So there you go. That's mine. And that's also like representing the characters that all get thrown together and create this community. 
Okay. Uh, love it. Go, Jenna. Go, Jenna. My TV show is still, still pretty weak, but it's okay. The other ones are good. I'm, I'm strong in the other ones. So my drink is going to be uh, what I'm drinking today. So it's tequila with the blood orange San Pellegrino and lime. I feel like it's the perfect mixture of uh, a bunch of different things. So you have, you know, the tequila. So you have like the Latin element and then you have the Italian element uh, coming in. Oh, you know, you have like a little mix of all the the cultures coming into one drink, a little bit like our book today. And then my book is going to be, I have two. So one is actually one that we just did a book review for. So the only good Indian, the only good Indians, Stephen Graham Jones. So this one, we kind of ripped into a little bit, <laughs> not too bad, <laughs> but uh, there is a scene that was phenomenal that I think it should just ended on where you have all the characters together in one place and then all of them end up dead in one way or another. Oh. And it's like, oh my gosh. And um, I feel like that was a similar vibe to the ending of this book. And I feel like I'm, it's fine if I spoiled it because I we did a book review on it. So sorry. <laughs> True. And then my other book is All the Bright Places. And this is one of those kind of books that tugs on your heartstrings and makes you really care about the stories that it's telling. And you have this friendship and this bond between these two characters and the ending is just heartbreaking and you think everything's okay and everything's gonna be fine and then the ending you just like you know where it's going and you're just like I don't want to go I don't want to I don't want to see how this ends and it takes you there unfortunately but it's just a phenomenal book and she does such a good job at talking about these characters. And then my movie is also um, a, a book adaptation that we have reviewed, which is The Mist, Stephen King, because it's, you know, that same idea of um, a bunch of people being put into a situation where there is no society. What you know as like the real world is no longer there. It's completely gone. And you're forced to create this community of people that are just trying to survive. And then the ending of that movie, especially because they took a different approach than what the book was, the movie was like, oh no. <laughs> it's just so sad. Such a rough go. But I think it's even Stephen King was like, that was better than the ending I put in my book. So I think that that's a really good one. And then my TV show, as I was talking, I finally figured out a better one than I, than I had on my list. <laughs> I feel like I'm just going to keep bringing this series up, but it's okay. Yellow Jackets, especially this new season, you have a group of high school girls and a coach and one boy and they are crashed in the middle of the woods and it's like they see no way out. They are there for a couple of months and they can no longer see themselves making it out. So they're like, how are we going to create a community? How are we going to survive together in this place that's unsurvivable pretty much? And... How do these natural leaders come to be? How do people escape? You flash forward to like their lives after they escape and after they're rescued and they're all so messed up. <laughs> so it kind of shows what the after would look like um, as opposed to uh, leaving you kind of guessing. And so I think that that's also a very good show in terms of like what would happen if you are completely isolated away from everyone and you're forced to make your own community. And yeah, it's such a good show. So. All right. I would also say bonus book. Um, you just made me think of this Lord of the Flies. 
I have a love-hate relationship with that book. It was one of my favorite ones to read in high school because I was just like, I get it in general. Like, it's just really interesting. Yeah, concept to think of these people in this traumatic situation put to the test. How do you how do you cope? Mm hmm. Alrighty. Well, that's it for Bel Canto by Ann Patchett. Sierra, thank you so much for joining me on today's episode. It's always a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. It is also always a pleasure to see you. That's it. Cheers. Clink it. Well, that's the show. Thanks so much for listening. If you liked it, please go give it five stars on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to this podcast right now. If you want more book-related content, you can find us on Instagram and TikTok at Podcast. Again, that's at R-W-R-E-A-D-S-P-O-D-C-A-S-T at Podcast on Instagram and TikTok. Until next week, keep your books open and your drink glasses full. Thanks all. Thank you.